everyone, listen to me. We've all been deceived. We need to calmly head towards the exits. Welcome to the Banana Bread and Circus Republic with Crispy and Tono, your hosts for the end of the world or whatever we're looking at. We're looking at the reset. Yeah, it's uh, we're gonna be fine, ladies and gentlemen. So strap in and join us to recalibrate the soul as we explore the ether and ethics of our evolution. In the space between spaces, there's an intelligence that guides our values and our judgments, which determines who we are, what we're doing, and where we're going. Follow your nose. And think for yourself. Let me ask you something. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Shit, no, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. <laughs> Welcome back, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lawrence. That was a good old Lawrence from Office Space. Mike, Mike Judge's masterpiece. Can, well, uh, aside from idiocracy... Uh, yeah, you mentioned that on the previous recording when Bendy was here. Have you still not seen it? Not yet. I've been busy, man. I got. I, I have a list going. I have a master list. All right, we're going to pause this episode and we're going to watch Idiocracy. We'll be right back. <laughs> Kidding. Kidding. It's on the list. You need to watch it. You know, I don't, know if, that's, no excuse I don't know if that's one of the ones that one of the programs, the streaming networks that actually made the cut of what we can now watch because they're starting to crack down on profiles that are outside of like the host address of, or like the owner of those accounts like for example within family networks that live across state lines or even out of, sure, outside of county. if you're sharing somebody else's account then yes they've they've all started to crack down on that because they're all savvy to it you know like yeah it's it's business loss to them it's literally theft so you, is it, you know, does it suck? Yes. Is it a surprise? No. Right. Like, I know. I was told today that it's HBO, good business for them. HBO and I forget the other network that we had. And I can't remember if it was Hulu or not. Hulu and HBO have combined at this point. You can get HBO and Disney through Hulu. Oh, Disney. That's what it was. Even though we have, we upgraded our fucking phone provider plan thing and it was supposed to come with a disney plus you know pro subscription or whatever that's like void of charge i think it was like free of charge for like the first month or whatever so we were like fuck it fuck fuck this we're not we're not suckers they're trying to do that more and more these days we need to start our own you know kind of uh multimedia you know membership platform for entertainment and it's just going to be you know it's going to be two things it's going to be insane people dancing around a fire late at night encouraging each other for whatever reason like we do or we're going to have shitter cams in 
construction porta potties. Hmm. Sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, doesn't at all. <laughs> With the whole like social media like credit score thing, it will sell. Uh, it will sell. And it's and so fucked up. Anybody out there listening to this right now? We are working on trademarking that. So fuck off. <laughs> Another thing we're working on trademarking is the Humbiant Fermentary, which, like you said earlier, is not. We are entrepreneurs. Sorry. Oh, boy. <laughs> Trying to be entrepreneurs. <laughs> I don't know. I'm on one. I woke up pissed today. Oh, yeah? What are you pissed about? Too much to get into? Uh, it's, it's not even too much to get into. It's just hard to, like, find the source of the thread that you want to pull. You know, and when you realize that, like, all the threads are actually just the same one stitch, and it's like, no matter how you pull it, it's like, you'll, you'll alleviate your misfrequencies, but you're going to end up being lonely at the end because it's so hard to bring this shit to light to people around you that you love that aren't willing or ready to accept it. And yeah. it becomes tiring. And it and that my makes family, you want a black pill. My and family, I don't want a black pill. Oh, sorry, so, your family. No, my bad. Your family. No, no, no. I, that, was it. that was it. Well, I remember I totally feel your pain, basically. Because my family, they do the same thing to me. They're like, oh, here's Chris. And it's like, I remember one time my mom actually checked in with my wife just to make sure I didn't lose my marbles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, my wife does that with multiple, you know, common associates, you know, acquaintances of ours. It's like, and then at the end of the day, she ends up calling me, oh, you're, the, you're one of the smartest people I know. And I love her. But it's like, yeah, I'm one of the smartest people you know because of who else you surround yourself with, not because I'm at a higher, you know, like, echelon of anything. It's like, mm -hmm. it's it's literally idiocracy. It's like, you know. Which is why I need to watch the movie. <laughs> you really do. Yeah. Like, I can't wait. The whole premise of the I movie. I like to keep the powder as dry as I possibly can. Okay, I'm going to lay it into you in one sentence. The whole premise of the movie is... This guy gets frozen in time as a military experiment from our generation. Wakes up 1,500 years in the future and is all of a sudden the smartest person on the planet and gets put into the position to solve the entire planet's problems because, you know, he's the, literally the only person on the planet that can pass an IQ score. Mm. You know, it's interesting because relative to himself, exactly, is a world of he got chosen for the experiment because he was the most absolute average person at the time. And they're like, well, we're going, you know, we're going to use this guy because like he's so average that like he won't even be missed. And then 1500 years later, he's literally the smartest person on the planet. 
It's fascinating. It makes you think. I mean, That's that was kind of what my whole, my whole book was based on Boom. the reality that autism spectrum disorder is ASD. a symptom of a larger human uh, sort of trait or trauma that's happened within it, ourselves. You know, right. For one reason or another, whether it's because it's, it's, you know, a reflection of it or it's a defense mechanism of, you know, certain other, you know, like evolutions that are starting to block out, you know, the ability to have empathy or, you know, things like that. Like, yeah, like, it could very well be that. Yeah, I think, and, of course, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake was instrumental in my uh, research when it came time to explore the ecological uh, aspects of our humanity. And his theories, his biological theories, derived from Alexander Gervich, who was a Developmental biologist in Russia, I think. And G O E R G I C H. Gervich, yeah, I believe. And that was back, like, I think at the either at the turn of the century or before then, shortly before then, where Gervich was actually studying fungal cells and recognizing how these things actually morph out of the same genetic material over and over again it was like propagate it was like this all this stuff is all made of one particular physical biological matter so it got gervich to thinking that there must be an invisible mold all around us and he called it the morphogenic field and turns out he was right well it's been it's in a sense it's trying to be disproven in the mainstream and rupert sheldrake picked up this research and ran with it because he found evidence in the natural world that the morphogenic field exists. The bi- mycelium is mycelium takes up more weight on this planet than all the humans combined. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Like, I think it's thirty percent of the biomass in the soil is fungal. Yeah, yeah, and the soil wouldn't be fertile without it. Yeah, there's a. It's a symbiosis straight from there. Yeah. I was actually talking to my dad about this, and he was, like, all interested. I was telling him about Merlin Sheldrick's work, ironically. Great, Rupert's music. great musician. Great musician. He is a great musician, as well as Cosmo. Cosmo is actually oh, a, a musician. Oh, no, no, you're good. No, because you're right, actually. Merlin, Merlin's a musician, too. He's a biologist, doctor in biology, recently wrote the book Entangled Life, and that's all about fungi, and that that stemmed or that came from his uh research in panama studying mycorrhizal networks which is basically fungal roots in the soil like amazing stuff it's it's one of the four varieties of how fungi live as uh, a being like the mycorrhizal networks that connect the plants and the trees right and that's that's where they that's where they make their jump from the soil to the plants themselves right well for the first i think 50 million years or so fungi acted as the roots of plants okay yeah because when it came time for 50 plants, million though that's that's how uh, how many million years ago overall 
Like, uh, I don't know. Three, three hundred million. I guess you'd have to ask Merlin. We'll have to get him on the show. Well, there's a. If anybody out there has his number, please text it to us. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Along with nudie pictures. <laughs> no, we don't care. Not his. Yours. Not his nudie pictures. Yeah, yours or theirs. That's that, a that's a dangerous. Invitation. Well, no one has consent. Okay. <laughs> uh freaking so anyway just to go back to that whole process even though i don't have timelines to offer right now yeah um, they're not important basically during that period of time where algae was coming from the water and onto the soil fungi were absolutely essential in this process and actually out of it came I believe, like, the existence of lichen. Like, lichen... I mean, lichen is a form of mold, technically. I mean... Yeah. You know, it's it's as close to mold as it is it's, to fauna or flora, you know? Yeah, I I would not be surprised if that was the case. Basically, it's it's a it's a symbiotic creature... That is derived from both a plant, a photosynthesizing bacteria, or uh, algae. And a mushroom. And a fungus. Yeah. Yeah. Because the fungus is able to digest rock, and it's able to retain moisture so well. That's why they take so long to establish and grow, and when they do establish, it's very microscopic, you know, it's not from seed. Right, you know, it's. I love looking at those charts. It's from of the spore. life set, yeah, of the life cycle of a mushroom, and it's the spores that are compatible. Which I guess there are twenty three or more uh, compatible mate possibilities, which is fascinating. It like kind of blows the whole gender paradigm out of the water. To be honest with you, in my opinion, if you're going to interpret it that way, it's not a binary relationship. There's so many freaking crazy connections that are impossibilities of how different spores 23 is a number that pops up through genetics a lot too i could be wrong about the specific number i want to be very clear well if you're not then it's it's either suspicious or eerie it's very very interesting very interesting stuff either way it's and we don't really know we don't know really we don't know shit like we have i think maybe six percent of fungal species identified. 6%. How crazy is that, dude? Like, that's like. How much of the human genome do we have mapped out and we're already trying to alter it? Oh, well, that. Yeah. It's. it's We're trying to. It's fucking frightening, dude. Yeah, it is. It's pretty scary. Like. Thinking like we can play God or that we're, we're, we're worthy of playing God is scary to me because we're not God. We're, we're part of this web. We're not, we can't be in control of it. It's like, it's that age old sort of, uh, just nuanced conundrum or fantasy that we can control the world or control life. And it's just simply a futile endeavor. Think about the ethics involved in if we were actually successful with it. Let's say that we could totally synthesize a human being in a lab 
which, by the way, in this past week, the U.S. has just approved the sale of laboratory-grown meat for consumption in this country. So, under that, guys, let's assume that we could grow a full-grown human in a lab. Right. And what are the ethics involved behind that? Well, the ethics are a whole like, huge cornucopia because, of topics. Because this human didn't come out of a pussy, we can use it for slavery. You know, it, and it's going to start there. Right. Like thinking like we can, because they're already talking about how they can manu- manufacture labor out of machines. Right. It's going to come down to labor. It's going to come down to, you know, like, oh, well, we just need to, you know, we we need to be able to gestate these people in a laboratory because, you know, like, we need their organs. It's like, well, okay, well, does that, does that drop the price of, you know, like a liver transplant should you need one? No, no, no. And in fact, it's going to raise it. So, like, the benefits have to outweigh the risks. Right, right. And they're not anywhere you look right now. Yeah, I think that's very very well said, because the shit that's been going down in China for God knows how long, this total unregulated part of, like, the biology, like, just uh, materializing biology and human life is absolutely uh, abysmal. You mean like why the NHIAID went over there to, you know, do, you know, gain a function research when it was outlawed by their own, you know, funders and country. And then we got COVID. Yeah. 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 Totally like. Which it, is a whole nother can of worms. It's, it's, it's the biological Wild West over there. You know? Well, dude, they've been, this is a thing too. Like they've been doing, we've been involved in a war longer than we realize, and we don't even realize we're in one. You know, like I refer to James Ricker's books on, book on, uh, well, all of his books, but currency wars, you know, current, like we have, everything is so materialized, it's insane. Like materializing, whether it's the soul, the human spirit, like what is money supposed to represent in the first place? The only it's supposed to represent energy. Everything's been materialized except the warfare itself, which has been dematerialized to include spiritual and psychological warfare on our own citizens. Yeah. So much. So things. If you've ever watched uh, Stranger Things and you understand what the upside down is, in a way, we're kind of living in an upside down where, you know, like, white used to mean, and I'm not talking about skin color, I'm talking about just, you know, lack of light or total influx of light. White and black, you know, you know, it, everything used to be... The dualities. Yes, all dualities have been transposed. You know, they've been flipped. And and we're in this situation where we're being sold that that's normal. That, oh, no, no, this is what it is. This is what it's always been. The revisionist history, like what we were talking about, it's 
in our previous comedy episode. Yeah, in our yeah. comedy episode, uh, we we talked about uh, you know yeah. Quentin Tarantino and his ability to make brilliant stories out of you know like what could have been in history versus what was, and how easily, how easily, especially when you think about you know what has been faked throughout time, throughout history, and throughout government, like. It's not a big stretch to think that why rewrite history if you can just write it in the first place. Right. So I think that was we need whole... to be very questioning, especially in this time of AI, where, sure. you know, you've got AI tricking actual news sources into thinking that, oh, this is one of our articles. And then four hours later, it starts to tank the fucking stock market and they realize, Wait a minute, this article was written by fucking some asshole who downloaded an AI app. Yeah, oftentimes, it, well, it is computers that actually operate Wall Street now. Oh, like, it's a computers lot of people, that operate everything. Yeah, everything. It's Absolutely. Pretty, it's pretty disastrous, and I'm glad we're bringing this up because I've had this on my desk for a while now. I want to bring this up real quick because this is, again, going back to what James Rickards has researched around the currency wars the he was on the front lines during he was the <clears throat> negotiating lawyer behind the long-term capital management collapse and and bailout and and they had to negotiate with wall street and the federal reserve with by the Alan. way people were making all of this up we're just fucking kooks <laughs> no way this is true like james rickards was on the front lines and alan greenspan i know it sounds crazy but no, this shit really does go on. And, and they actually came within hours of freezing up the entire global economy. It was like you go to the gas pump. Picture going to the gas pump. This was 90 what? 98. Yeah, I was going to say 97. God damn, I was so close. Uh, well, it was uh, during that, uh, whole, that whole scheme of derivatives bets and oh, all these bets going the bad. The Clintons were freaking out and they wanted to cash out as much as they could. I love the way James Records depicts what happened because he had a front row seat and he could actually see even though he had like more of like a direct like microscopic lens of what was going on, he at the same time was able to reflect on the story from a more telescopic lens and backing up and looking at how there are these patterns because it was only 10 years of a difference between the collapse, the, uh, the daisy chain collapse between that started with the Thai bot and then created a domino effect that ran across the world based on, because the thing is the nature of derivatives is I'm, I'm not an expert by any means, but all you have to do is Look at the word derivative and you have your answer. It's, Where does it derive from? It derives from whatever asset you're purchasing. So if it's subprime the faith mortgages. In that asset. Yeah, if it's subprime mortgages, then you're betting on debt that is actually perpetually Which is what happened in oh wait. We bet on that debt. is something and, that happened. And in some 08. people won, most people lost. Yeah. When it comes to derivatives, though, you could have a derivative on orange juice. Oh, yeah. Like, sure. you could have any kind of derivative you want, and it's... it's As the, long as there's enough faith behind it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. The, the... All economy becomes faith at a certain point. All it, money. It's a religion. All money. It's a religion. Cur credit. 
Yes. When it comes to credit, borrowing, and collateral, and all those things, money to begin with, started as a form of trusting like the exchange of values, which actually has its roots in very uh, honor honorable respects but it's it's so easily corrupted over as time goes on because when it comes to leveraging that money you can easily corrupt the system by printing more ious for the same thing that it's back that's back especially if you're renting the money from a comp a privately owned company that's charging you interest on the money it prints and rents you yeah, which is where we are right now. I, I'm sick of saying this, but it goes without saying, and you got to say it again. The Federal Reserve, for everybody listening right now who might not know it, is not a government corporation or agency. They're called the the Federal Reserve. They actually own the money that we use and they rent it to us at interest 30% of our income tax our collective income tax per year just goes to paying off the interest from borrowing their printed money yep that's 100% correct <laughs> and when the crisis of 08 came they didn't even have to go through like no, the, they just printed more off. The shell game of borrowing, of bidding for bonds, because that's how you create currency in the first place, is it you buy a, a institution, mo- often it's a bank, will purchase a bond from that government who needs to spend, who needs to stimulate or needs to borrow or whatever, needs currency in the system, it needs liquidity to keep going. And this is what it's become now. Uh, I was just listening to As Good As Gold Australia last night, actually, and it reminded me of... Australia. How much debt is in the system? Oh, well, it's a debt-based system, so you gotta understand that, you know, uh, a system only has as much faith in it as, uh, you know, the debt behind it, so... Sorry. Exactly. I fucking love Australia. It only has... And your accents. I'm not making fun of you. I love you. It's just, like, majority of... uh, American debt is actually owned by China. So as long as, as long as, oh, there as long it is, as, folks. As long as there's confidence, there it is. Confidence in the American people to pay that debt back or pay the interest on those bonds that were borrowed from by, of course, this is all again another shell game of you'll have excess currency inflows, usually in the form of dollars, into China in order for the yuan to stay low and this goes back to the currency wars that Rickards talks about in order for the yuan to stay low they have to quote unquote sterilize that excess currency inflows in the form of US bonds US debt in order to basically keep their currency low relative to the dollar it keeps the it keeps a uh i believe that's how it keeps a strong dollar and a weak yuan and it also allows them to have an excuse to have, you know, a low uh, quality of life. You know, they're, they're allowed and able to control a population of a billion, you know, while making them think that, oh, yeah, no, our dollar's worth nothing. When, in fact, that 
they are in control of the debt of the biggest empire in human history. And the only way they're in control of it in the sense that you and I sort of keeps us up at night is the fact they that they can come and collect at any time they, well, they want. No, dude, they can dump their debt. That's all they that's all it would take. It would create a domino effect of the US dollar tanking well, in value. We we don't even need their help doing that. Like we're literally trying to do that at the moment ourselves. There's a lot of ways and the US dollar is being like forcefully collapsed right now. Which is well there's a lot of schools of thought on 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 that because for the last 10 years or so, the Fed, according to the dynamics, the economics of what's happening in the system, is there are a lot of banks that have excess reserves. A lot of the liquidity that's in the system is held in excess reserves by the banking system. But those and aren't the bank's reserves. Those are their customers' reserves. Customers is in. It could be all backed by derivatives. It could be all backed by China, and that's where you get into bail-ins versus bail-outs. Because that whole thing about too big to fail is not only a very real thing that people say for sure, but it actually has to do with how over leveraged we are as a global economy. Because there will come a day where the chickens will come home to roost. And when that day comes, it will be, of course, this whole thing about Armageddon and the collapse, the Great Reset that people are predicting. But not only that. Armageddon, let's, you know, we're we're not a religious podcast. We're not not a religious podcast. We'll discuss it. Yeah, no. Armageddon. I didn't mean Armageddon in the sense that it's well, a religious prophecy kind of thing. Hey, it doesn't mean they're wrong, though, either. You know, like. But at the end of the day, you know, like, yeah, it. there's going to be people that interpret anything as Armageddon. So, but the actual Armageddon, as described, will be also very clear. Yeah. So, so it's all about using your noodle to know how to adapt to the current circumstances. We can't bury our heads in the sand like my good boy Tono over here was just alluding to. Oh. Our great, some of our greatest loved ones keep keep their heads buried so that they don't have to think too hard about this stuff. But I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this shit's coming. Whether you like it or not, this shit's coming. The best and way to get fucked in the ass is to keep your head in the sand. Yeah, that doesn't sound good to me. That's how I told my mom, though. <laughs> you know, she's like, why do you think, why do you always think about this stuff? I'm like, because... I don't want to get fucked in the ass, and the best way to do that is keep your head in the sand. So, yeah. So keep your head held high, and trust that little, like, soft voice in your gut, your heart center, whatever question. you got to do to question. Be sure. Be there's a time and a place for paranoia. There's a time and a place for equally so critical thinking, and a time for also. There's a time for giving people your loved ones, or even a perfect stranger, the benefit of the doubt at the same time. We are going to do this together. A little bit of, a little bit of paranoia is what got our species this far, as well as every other animal species out there. 
if you have no paranoia, then you're pretty much a dead fish floating downstream. And those are the only fish that always go downstream. So, I come with us. Let us let us help each other. Let us grow together. Let us nurture everything we touch. Yeah, I think, and I think a big part of it is just simply being honest. Yeah. Being honest with ourselves, our current circumstance, and with each other. In that sense, I'd like to tie it back to the economics of the thing. Is like Bruce Lipton talks at length about um, the human body as a dynamic, interdynamic system of economic energy happening all throughout. There's the there's a token of the realm and the cost versus reward. You know, and yeah, yeah, there's absolutely a I system believe, involved. Yeah, there. I forget the specific molecule that's used amongst human cells or whatever you would qualify as human, because technically we're actually only nine, like so, we're only 5% quote unquote human, whatever that at is. At the end of the day, cells are cells. In other words, we are, yeah, a collective ecosystem of bacteria, fungi, I think amoeba, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mitochondria. Yeah, which is uh, a whole unique piece of bacterial um, uh, biology that basically has its own DNA. So I think it it qualifies a separate subset of bacteria. I think it's there's like you know uh, prokaryotes and eukaryotes or whatever. I think if I'm pronouncing that right, and then yep. one has DNA and the other doesn't. Technically speaking, it doesn't have a nucleus, so right. yeah, the yeah. mitochondria is interesting because they actually have their own set of DNA that operate for them. So it's mitochondria it's such is programmable. A, it's like such highly programmable. It's yeah. highly evolved. This is such a sophisticated mechanism in biology. But at the end of the day, you know, we're when it comes down to it, we're a semi-unexplicable combination. Of, you know, multiple different amounts of elements, chemicals, proteins, and electricity. And somehow we came together to be what we are. And so did every other animal. And the only thing that differs us from every other animal you know, aside from our, you know, like, apparent consciousness, cognitive... <laughs> our, our presumed consciousness. <laughs> presumed consciousness, apparent ability to reason, and, uh -huh. you know, like, uh, rumors of logic. Aside from all that, the only thing that really keeps us from the other animals is what? We're able to develop symbiotic relationships within ourselves that we're able to perpetuate into the future and conduct a absurd amount of electricity in a single instant in time, which can essentially captivate the moment to create, like you said, the electrical, molecular, mechanical, very, uh, it's just such a 
interdisciplinary and layered process of things like language, speech, and being able to communicate concepts and create uh, whole uh, mechanisms and pieces to better ourselves. To We have a sense of a quality of life that we're somehow able to manufacture as opposed to the average animal. But I don't want to go too far down that road because over time I've become more familiarized with the fact that just by isolating ourselves in only reference to ourselves is anthropomorphic in nature. So basically we don't have any way of experiencing what it's like to be a chicken, to be a bacteria, to be a blade of grass, to be all these things, all these potentials of existence. Not without a severe hallucinogenic battery. <laughs> Which, yeah, it helps to uh, outline a new perspective, like the fungi. I mean, the beauty of humans is that we have, we are, we are the results of a symbiotic relationship with fungi that predates mankind it it it's like going way back to like the social dynamics of like social insects and things like that like what i like to look at is like the bee the honeybee kingdom if it is known as a kingdom it's more of just a hive you know hive minded collective or whatever but things like from the movie ants too like there's there's a social consent. There's a whole consensus process that goes into play. And I think it'll come down to being able to simply breathe through the fact of we are these individuals who really now have developed the language skills to qualify it as things like autism because it's so highly individualized. It's our individuality that's trying to come out. Meanwhile, Everything's kind of being compressed into this channel of where the energy wants to go because it has an agenda. At the same time, you can't force this energy. Like, it's it's literally impossible. It's going to go with the flow that it chooses to, and you can either yeah. accept it or you can resist it. Right. So, I think it's futile is to try and, qual you know, to try and engineer genes in a certain respect. Now, you could argue and I'm sure plenty will with me, um, that as a future like of a civilization, there are tons of, you know, sort of hypothetical civilizations that have conquered things like the, uh, the ecosystem of their sun to harness energy for the good of, you know, the people back at their home native planet or, or what have you like there's technologies out there that basically enable us to play god and get away with it the question that i have is are we actually ready like is this part of our are we ready we're for never going to be ready to play god no I don't know. I no don't know if we are like right. we, we can't even okay going back to like what differs us from other animals like in my eyes it's, we have an ability of empathy. We have ability to, you know, imagine and take ourselves out of our own bodies and, you know, put them into that of another and try and understand what that might be like. 
most animals don't have that luxury to, you know, have even imagination. Maybe, I'm sure animals, animals definitely dream other than us, but that might be the extent of their imagination. Maybe dreams are just imagination and we're the only animal that can actually dream while awake. It's funny you say that because lately I've had more of an intimate connection to my dreams and a lot of it has to do with the more prolific I become with all my activities, with working with different organisms and different states of being, different mindsets, different um, taste preferences, different you know needs. And the basically. more you expand yourself as a person. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and just all that. I've started to actually feel a little bit like less like I matter. Like I, I don't matter as much, even though I'm the one sort of orchestrating these things. You matter to you. I'm yeah. I'm more of just an observer. Yeah. It's kind of amazing when but, the, when you, when that at the starts end of the to day, take hold. That's all any of us are. Right. That's that point where I'm taking my. I guess. It just feels, it's actually kind of liberating because I don't have to like, I don't have to have such a vested interest in what I'm doing. It's like, oh, I'm immortal. You can choose to be passive if you'd like. Yeah. Passive and... Uh, To be active is natural. That's what biological organisms do. But we're one of the few that can choose to be passive. Or we can also choose to interrupt more than we need to. Right. You know, like we don't, we don't work on a purely biological level. We work on a, oh, well, I'm going to do maybe what I could instead of what I should and I'm going to call it science. You know, that's. (laughs) (laughs) If you can find the means to justify it, absolutely. Exactly. We work on a justifiable (laughs) basis. Yeah. That's how humans work. Yeah, exactly. And I think just acknowledging that, being honest, just having a sense of like a sense of moral duty, really. I think there I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We were talking earlier about As long as it's not, you know, crossing your own personal boundaries. Yeah, sure. Which I think if you're connected with the fact that hopefully societal boundaries too. Don't cross those. I have Some a, of them I have a, are pretty good. Yeah, I have a hunch that I think that as long as an individual is just utterly connected to what keeps them, like, t- is able to reprioritize their ambitions, passion, um, I think there's all, there's a lot of merit to that. As I long as a, you're not harming innocence. Exactly. Because... Yes. Because it can definitely slip. And I was just having a conversation with a buddy the other day about the economics of the thing. Talk about, I mean, like, so I've been working on trying to get these businesses off the ground, but it takes time and you got to be, I have to be very strategic. I have to make sure that everything is situated and buttoned up and make sure that I'm I'm ready. Timing is right. Timing is always right. And it takes a very serious process of of preparation. I can't just jump in and just expect that things are going to work out. That could be catastrophic. Yeah, that would be ridiculous. And it would turn me off. I'd be like, fuck this. That could be be like, you know, deciding you want to take a 
$200,000 submarine down to the Titanic and, you know, hoping everything comes out okay. Yeah, there was a YouTube video I looked up. I didn't even <laughs> look this up. This popped up literally last night. Let me see if I can find it, actually. Here, but check this out, dude. Like, so I have a 60, it's 16 minutes, so it's not like we're going to have to, we're going to, we're not going to watch this whole fucking thing, but. Yeah. The strangest <laughs> secret in the world. Some years ago, the late Nobel Prize winning Dr. Albert Schweitzer was being interviewed in London, and a reporter asked him, Doctor, what's wrong with men today? And the great doctor was silent a moment, and then he said, Men simply don't think. It's about this that I want to talk with you. We live today in a golden age. This is an era that man has looked forward to, dreamed of, and worked toward for thousands of years. But since it's here, we pretty well take it for granted. We in America are particularly fortunate to live in the richest land that ever existed on the face of the earth, a land of abundant opportunity for everyone. But do you know what happens? Well, let's take a hundred men who start even at the age of 25. Do you have any idea what will happen to those men by the time they're 65? These 100 men who all start even at the age of 25 believe they're going to be successful. If you ask any one of these men if he wanted to be a success, he'd tell you he did. And you'd notice that he was eager toward life, that there was a certain sparkle to his eye, an erectness to his carriage, and life seemed like a pretty interesting adventure to him. But by the time they're 65, one will be rich. Four will be financially independent. Five will still be working. Fifty-four will be broke. Now think a moment. Out of the one, no, some of them are going to be dead. Grade. Let's now, be honest. Why do so many fail? <laughs> what has happened to these sparkle? That's statistically they untrue. Become of the dreams, the hopes, the plans. That is true. And why is there such a large disparity between what these men intended to do and what they actually accomplished? I thought he was going to say fifty-four say would be dead. When we achieve success, we have to define <laughs> success. And here's the best definition I've ever been able to find. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. If a man is working toward a predetermined goal and knows where he's going, that man is a success. If he's not doing that, he's a failure. Yeah, but success what's a man? A progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Sorry. Rollo May, the distinguished psychiatrist, wrote a wonderful book called Man's Search for Himself. And in this book, he says, the opposite of courage in our society is not cowardice. It is conformity. Oh. And there you have the trouble today. It's conformity. People acting like everyone else without knowing why, without knowing where they're going. Now, think of it. In America right now, there are over 18 million people, 65 years of age and older. And most of them are broke. They're dependent on someone else for life's necessities. Now, we learn to read by the time we're seven. We learn to make a living by the time we're 25. Usually by that time, we're not only making a living, we're supporting a family. And yet, by the time we're 65, we haven't learned how to become financially independent in the richest land that has ever been known. Why? We conform. And the trouble is that we're acting like the wrong percentage group, the 95 who don't succeed. Now, why do these people conform? Well, they really don't know. These people believe that their lives are shaped by circumstances, by things that happen to them, by exterior forces. They're outer-directed people. A survey was made one time that covered a lot of men, working men, and these men were asked, Why do you work? Why do you get up in the morning? Nineteen out of twenty had no idea. If you ask them, they'll say, Well, everyone goes to work in the morning, and that's the reason they do it, because everyone else is doing it. Now, let's get back to our definition of success. Who succeeds? The only person who succeeds 
is the person who is progressively realizing a worthy ideal. He's the person who says, I'm going to become this, and then begins to work toward that goal. I'll tell you who the successful people are. A success is the school teacher who's teaching school because that's what he or she wants to do. The success is the woman who's a wife and mother because she wanted to become a wife and mother and is doing a good job of it. The success is the man who runs the corner gas station because that was his dream. That's what he wanted to do. The success is the successful salesman who wants to become a top-notch salesman and grow and build with his organization. A success is anyone who is doing deliberately a predetermined job because that's what he decided to do deliberately. But only one out of twenty does that. That's why today there isn't really any competition unless we make it for ourselves. Instead of competing, all we have to do is create. You know, for twenty years I looked for the key which would determine what would happen to a human being. Was there a key I wanted to know which would make the future a promise that we could foretell to a large extent? Was there a key that would guarantee a person's becoming successful if he only knew about it and knew how to use it? Well, there is such a key, and I've found it. Have you ever wondered why so many men work so hard and honestly without ever achieving anything in particular, and others don't seem to work hard and yet seem to get everything? They seem to have the magic touch. You've heard them say that about someone. Everything he touches turns to gold. And have you ever noticed that a man who becomes successful tends to continue to become successful? And on the other hand, have you noticed how a man who's a failure tends to continue to fail? Well, it's because of goals. Some of us have goals, some don't. People with goals succeed because they know where they're going. It's that simple. Think of a ship leaving a harbor, and think of it with the complete voyage mapped out and planned. The captain and crew know exactly where it's going and how long it'll take. It has a definite goal. Now, 9,999 times out of 10,000, it will get to where it started out to get. Now, let's take another ship, just like the first, only let's not put a crew on it or a captain at the helm. Let's give it no aiming point, no goal, no destination. We just start the engines and let it go. I think you'll agree with me that if it gets out of the harbor at all, it will either sink or wind up on some deserted beach a derelict. It can't go any place because it has no destination and no guidance, and it's the same with a human being. Now let's get back to the strangest secret in the world, the story that I wanted to tell you today. Why do men with goals succeed in life and men without them fail? Well, let me tell you Jesus Christ. Oh. Yeah, that was. I, I just wanted to share that real quick with you and our audience because i it really resonated with it's me a brilliant eye opener absolutely yeah you know and yeah yeah because i i think i think it's true like whenever we're putting our actual passion and energy and intelligence into it 110 100 percent of the time it's 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 pretty magical it's kind of what it, it is what separates us from that animalistic uh uh, rabbit hole of being of of the all the other nuances and possibilities where you're acting, reacting, all those things. When was that recorded? I don't know. I, it was a I, sounds was a like sixties, maybe latest. I'm guessing early eighties. Yeah, it did. It sounded pretty, but no, I mean, it's, it sounded pretty pre. That shit we knew back then, and we still right. haven't been able to put it into fucking practice. Yeah, like, we still haven't been able to put that shit into practice. We knew it that long ago. Exactly. Yeah, it really makes you think, because frickin', um, I, I'm, I'm a huge, uh, yeah, I'm a sucker for listening to things like Alan Watts, because some of the things he had to say, 
predate. I mean, when he was talking, whatever he was talking about, that predates the friggin' some form of the gold standard. Like he was, he was in, during a time that, you know, post Great Depression, during America's um, sort of uh, trend upwards as far as a collective. I guess nation. my my only wariness against Watts and Bukowski and you know like some of the greater philosophical minds of their time is that we know now things that they didn't mm-hmm. and you know we know for one that they were being guided by outside forces that they weren't aware of. Mainly MKUltra. You know, like, they... They felt like what what was going on was organic and that, you know, like, they were at the forefront of it and this and that, but at least on certain aspects of it, it's because they were made to feel that way. Look at look at Ken Kesey. Look at, you know, the Grateful Dead. The Grateful Dead thought they were doing a great thing. And in a lot of cases, they did. But at the end of the day, they were basically a delivery method for hallucinogens across this country to create a you know a you know nationwide basically mental health experiment mm-hmm. definitely an experiment yeah which again questioning the ethics of the thing um the mind is a powerful place and i think that goes back to even the um that success derives from the pursuit of a worthy ideal or whatever that quote was from yeah, the previous yeah, video. Yeah. Because yeah. the mind is, it's basically, it's going to, I believe like later in the video, it talks about the mind being like analogous to the, uh, the, the earth and planting a seed. So when, anytime you go to plant a seed. Fertile soil. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you, it can, it can grow into something. And yeah. so the whole idea, and this is why I like the homesteading thing so much and raising bees, rearing new. And to assume that life. there's no intelligence to dirt is silly. Right. And that goes back to the fungal principles that we have yet to fully explore and that we still don't know nearly enough. But what we do know is that. There is so much intelligence in the soil, it's not even funny. It's the Wild West in a lot of respects. It, it has uh, so many ways of uh, transacting resources in the... Uh, intelligence. Yeah. It, it, has, it has an economy to it, just like our bodies do, that like Lipton talks about. And with respect to, again, the coin of the realm that I don't know the specific molecule, it holds in in excess reserves as well but it will direct that energy to wherever like a broken leg or or a bruise that's an injury whatever 
whatever that is, it'll direct, it'll take all of its resources to heal itself. It'll prioritize. This is, this is a mineral you're talking about? It's a it's a molecule in the body. Yeah. <clears throat> I forget what it's called. I, I wish I brought I wish I came more prepared today with that uh, example. Because eh. well no, it just this just came up randomly. Because cool. it goes back to the it's an economy. The body is an economy. It's Absolutely. not just an ecosystem. It's it's definitely an exchange of values happening that on an unconscious level is virtually, you know, it's really hard to trace and detect like what motivates certain cells to trade or transact in with other cells because it's all a division of labor to begin with, but they have an agenda. They have their own reason for exchanging. And when it comes to plants, it's incredible because you can ex the plants ex use fungi to conduct economic relationships with each other. Oh, yeah. No, they're absolutely intertwined, you know, at, at some point, and it's not just through their own... It's not just through their own biological means, you know, like, they're, they're doing it through the soil, and the soil is inert without having, you know, certain microcosms involved and certain you know elements minerals right so right yeah yeah it's 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 a whole ecosystem of energy um motives and dynamics and relationships and it's it's constantly shifting and and changing relative to where it's at in time and place and it's it's fascinating and at a certain point, it's going to be nice to go back to the dirt where everything makes fucking sense. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in the dirt the last week. In fact, that's how I threw my back out earlier this week, which... Oh, I was talking about being dead, but sorry. Ah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, that... Part of me, yeah, I don't really fear... I mean, like, obviously, I have a lot to accomplish. Fear? So I feel like... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, everyone's scared of death to some degree, but for me, over time, the more I guess, the more experience I get, the more I can respect. Like, oh yeah, there's a time for for just total rest. Like, just put this thing to rest for a while. I think being scared of death and having certain ways in which you hope you don't die are two different things. Yeah, definitely. I like, appreciate you saying that. I I I welcome it more every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's like oh, every day I wake up I'm like oh, one more of these I don't have to do. Thank the fucking god. Jeez, that can yeah, that can be pretty taxing. It's heavy. But it's also, you know, it it allows me to appreciate the things that I do get to experience too, you know. I'm like, I know every day that I wake up. Well, this is one less more, thankfully. But you know, take take all the beauty that you find, take all the hope, take all the you know prosperity and all the you know treasures that you gained from today, and and hold on to those. Mm -hmm. But yeah, because there's there's a there's a lot to learn and live for, and and there's a there's a lot that you don't want to hold on to, you know? Right. No, there's definitely pain and suffering when it comes to, to life itself. 
Um, so it's, it's. You take those and you learn and you grow from them as much as you can. For sure. And then you move forward. Yeah. And for me, as long as you can have some type of accountability and engagement in the process, it's becomes harder and harder for me to feel sorry for myself, for my circumstances, you know? Like, as long as I'm able to really, truly drink it in and be accountable for my actions and not feel so damn, like, you know... I don't... uh, Yeah. Like, I need to respond to everything. I don't feel sorry for myself, but sometimes I'm sad, and it's not for me... It's for everything. And, you know, like, right. Sorry if I can't fucking get out of that, you know, to make it to dinner in time in a good mood, you know? Right. But, yeah, yeah that's a tough. I could see that. Cause if you're stuck in the whole, um, just, yeah, the loop of, like constantly feeling depleted and like you need whatever it is, more bandwidth, more time, more energy, whatever it is. I think every day is a different day, you know? So some days you wake up with one set of goggles on and some days you wake up with a different set of goggles on and, you know, like you might wake up and you... You know, even if you don't want to get out of bed, you you might just approach the world in the sense of, like, you're going to be my bitch today. You're sucking my <laughs> dick, you know? And that's sometimes it's as simple as that. You know, you wear those glasses all day, and you end up probably having a good day. Maybe not everybody around you does that doesn't mean that, you know, it brings you down. It doesn't mean that you're incapable of dealing with it. And then some days, you know, like, you get out of bed and most people don't get out of bed choosing to have a bad day, you know? Right. Usually it's just something that or a, is an underlying feeling. Right, a multitude of things, usually. Yeah, you know? and a, they just build up. And a lot of the times, that could be a symptom of burnout. Like, if you're just burned out, you know? Like, I, that's what I experienced, at least, when I, I was so intolerant of other people, my circumstances. Man, I was ready to fucking explode any day. It was like... Well, that's the thing, is, like, at a certain age... Burnout just becomes a symptom of life. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm burnt out every fucking day, but I still have to fucking, I still have to figure out, you know, how to deal with idiots, how to be nice to friends that I don't want to hurt, you know, how to, how to do this or that. And, you know, it's like, it's not hard being a good person. It's just hard to... go throughout your day and you know not not be abrasive not be you know short not be you know the things that most people 
associate with somebody being an asshole. It's like, it doesn't make them an asshole because they're this or that. You know, if they're an asshole, they're an asshole. You know, you can do the nicest thing for them and they don't appreciate it. Then they're an asshole. But, you know, like, just because somebody's... not being fake nice doesn't make them an asshole, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there, it, it, there isn't, like, no one needs to hide whatever that is. No, I I'd, I'd, uh, it's not, I'd yeah. rather somebody be, like, short with me than to be, you know... All chipper jolly and trying yeah, to just, like, like say cond- whatever Condescendingly it nice. To, yeah. yeah. No, I hate that shit. I grew up with a lot of that, actually. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Just be honest. Like that's that's my motto. Like just just be as honest as you need to be with yourself. And honestly, hopefully that'll invite some of the healing to come in cuz you know changes you. Yeah, as as honest as you can with yourself and as honest as you need to be with other people without hurting them, you know. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned the uh, humanity approach to it with the empathy component, because I feel like the birth of comedy and humor came out of that side of ourselves to have a sense of humor and be humble, you know, humus and hu- humorous and, and all those things. Like, it all derives from that, uh, that, yeah. hum, that hum uh, term derivative of of the the humble the human the yeah it's it's that's yeah i can't wait to i mean i am considering like continuing to uh, uh share my book on that podcast there that's basically a half audiobook half monologue kind of deal and the ending is my favorite part cognitive liberty by crispy yance word um, sure. But yeah, it. At the end of the day, like imagine the first person that was trying to console a dear loved one on their deathbed, mm. who was in pain and misery and uncertainty and all the scariest, darkest things that we can conceive of. Think of the first person that was able to make their loved one in that state laugh in that state. Mm. And what it did for them. Right. Totally. You know, like, that could very well be where that entire laughter mechanism came from. Well, that was the most amazing, transcendent experience, uh, quality to the psychedelic experience that I had for my experience at uh, the festival growing up and let's take a quick break we'll come right back to that let's pick that pick that up uh the difference between that religious standpoint and the festival uh yes sir experience yeah 
Up until now, you've heard me talk quite a bit about my book, Cognitive Liberty, available for sale at select retailers, including Amazon and iTunes. It's a book about our collective cognitive distortion and how we've essentially self-sabotaged our growth through perpetual states of stress and anxiety. My book is a philosophical narrative about autism and the evolution of consciousness in an ecological context, reflecting on our imperative need to free our minds from a neurocentric view of intelligence and embrace the emotional dimensions that guide our lives. It's about questioning our traditional sense of intelligence as it explores the symptoms of modern culture as a parallel version of autism where life and experience are trapped exclusively inside the head. You can learn more by purchasing a book in the description below or by subscribing to my podcast, Cognitive Liberty, where I break down why I wrote the book and how it relates to the time of extremes we're going through today. Thank you for your support. Organized religion and the counterculture movement. Yeah. Um, I was born in the late 80s, so I was pretty late on the scene. And even as a teenager, didn't really have a whole lot of connection to the psychedelic world other than like skateboarding. It was nice having like experiences with like cannabis and alcohol and shit like that. But psychedelics didn't really get introduced to me till a later age. And that whole world opened up my universe to these depths and expansions beyond anything I could possibly describe to anybody. Um, because it was so incredibly essential with my life at the time. Reckoning with a family that had its marriage was broken and trying to uh, reckon with that. So... Sorry, I need something to drink. You were my, almost my mouth is you dry. were almost using them therapeutically before you were using them experimentally. You know, I think in, in uh, that in in from how you just described, you know, yeah, like, unconsciously, I yeah, think. totally, yeah. totally. I guess sort of a self-medicating sort of way, but not really. As far as the psychedelics went, not really anything like super like hardcore depression style it was like to enhance an experience it was yeah, to yeah. you know have some tolerance of yourself and some very vulnerable situations both with the skateboard and in social settings and all those things have some ease on yourself sometimes too you know like you you you're taught to take yourself so seriously throughout you know formal education and yeah whether it's good grades or yeah like, fo know, following rules your parents whatever. Not, your parents telling you you can't hang out with them but you can hang out with these people well yeah because you know they because their parents are okay and you're like well why are their parents okay and they won't tell you but you know at the end of the day when you become an adult and you realize oh Jimmy's parents were junkies and Brian's parents had jobs. It's like, okay, I guess I get it. You know, like right. those sorts of dichotomies, but it, still at the end of the day, you know, how many of those kids, you know, 
Jimmy's parents fucked Jimmy because, you know, they led fucked up lives, but Jimmy is an okay soul, you know, until his parents get involved. So, right. Could be a and then Brian, factors. yeah, and then Brian, you know, his parents, they got their shit together, but Brian's a little fucking sociopath and they don't do anything to correct him, you know? So at the end of the day, you've got two different, you know, dichotomies of parents raising fucking shit bags for people. It does seem to be a huge collection of not a whole lot of accountability in the parental realm. And less and less, the more and more the, the education system gets involved, you know? Well, that's the funny thing about, is it this, is it this one right here? I think it is beer. We'll give it a shot. Let's go for it. Yeah. You never hit our kids. You shouldn't hit kids. Well, well, don't you remember how scared you were of your principal when you were growing up? It's because he'd smack you if you were being too silly. <laughs> and your parents wanted you to have a principal who would smack you. They took comfort in the fact that they were sending you to a place every day where someone would smack you for them if you were being too silly. And sometimes I see kids these days kind of think like, like what she does. <laughs> Does that sum it up for folks? Not to say that you should hit kids. Again, it go well, it goes but back to... But certainly not to say that you shouldn't either. Right. Because, again, there's a time and a place for everything. There's a good and a bad situation for everything. I saw this Twitter feed recently, this, like, little clip of some weird situation where there was this, like, this... I don't even know what she was. It was definitely, like, a non-binary... Identifies as non-binary with a mask on, like, in these high boot heels, like, wandering around these cops, just like, I can do whatever I want, I, you can't stop me, and all this stuff, like, literally pissing them off, and one cop, like, gets, like, something smacked out of his hand, and, and the non-binary individuals just keeps circling. Taunting. Yeah. And then the other cop, because the first cop that got the thing slapped out of his hand was, like, on the phone, obviously, probably either, like, being like, hey, we need to get, like, <laughs> the people who know how to handle people like this on the scene. And then we the, need to get the social workers down here because right. the insane asylum that's free range has gotten a little out of hand and we're trying to deal with actual crime. Is how I interpreted what he was on the phone for. Could have been anything. Could have been on the phone with anybody. But the other cop comes up and just lays just a smackdown. <laughs> <laughs> just like one KO. It was brilliant. Equal rights, equal fights. Fuck you. <laughs> just like, you know? and then this this individual who got hit and the taunter who basically asked for it, just like, it was amazing to see. It's one of those situations where, oh man, yeah, clearly you haven't like had the shit kicked out of you before. So here's how it feels, by the way. And it's that like sh initial shock. Like when you get hit in the nose, it's like, whoa. Oh, and, yeah, like, and then frozen. you get hit three or four more times, and you're like, right. what knows? And it's like, but like you yeah. almost have like a blackout moment, because you just can't even process oh, the yeah. offense that's just been done up to you. Yeah. So it's like... Every time you your head to, gets rocked back faster right. than it's supposed to, you come into a new reality. Oh, dude. It was so funny to watch. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like that. I mean, like you can't just you can't just. Tr That's why there's fighting in hockey. And I don't, I don't wish that on anybody. I don't, I don't 
necessarily think that's how shit's supposed to be, but, you know, what's the saying going around right now? Fuck around and find out. And we're living in a very guess-and-check universe, because not many people are bothering to do their own research anymore. So, you know, this is what's going to happen. The more and more we delve into this, the more and more we are going to become a society of shaved apes. And yeah, it's happening. We're, I mean, it's like we're being factory farmed into very specific, like, personas and personality types. And Well, the problem is it's, it's been going on since the fucking 80s. And it's mm. only been for the last 20 years that anybody has had any of the wiser to it. Yeah, speaking so of which, it, yours, you bring up, yeah, you bring up MK Ultra pretty often. Are you familiar with how far it goes back? Oh yeah, like to the inception of the television and all that. Oh yeah, and even predates that. Some Operation Bluebeam, Operation Mockingbird, yeah, Operation uh, Midnight Climax. Yeah, no, it MK Ultra goes back. To literally when we took Nazis from Nazi Germany and introduced them into our intelligence operandi and created the CIA and NASA. That's, it goes that far back and probably, you know, at least months, if not years further. Like, we've We've been co-opted by the people that set up gas chambers and figured out, you know, how long somebody can last strapped to the outside of a fucking rocket naked, you know, like... Creating a whole fucking circus out of it for themselves. Yeah, like the Nuremberg trials that happened after World War II, where we're patting ourselves on the back for fucking putting, you know... The, all these Nazi masterminds on trial. I forget what pathetic number it was. It's double digits. It's like 23 fucking people that we put on trial in these Nuremberg trials. And these were supposed to be the, the masterminds. No, the masterminds got drafted to either U.S. government or Russian government. And that's why we've had a race for rockets and nuclear arms ever since. It's not because we had any justice in this world. If we did, you know, Nazism wouldn't be a thing. Instead, we're funding it right now in fucking Ukraine. While we have fucking blue-haired, numbnuts, dumbasses in this country saying... You're fascist and punching fucking people for no reason. Right. While they're while they're happy that the administration that's funding the actual Nazis in the Ukraine while, you know, creating a giant money laundering scheme under it, you know, totally goes unnoticed. Yeah, because I think there's just more and more central intelligence that's basically inflicting itself in all these different proliferated areas and these different sectors that the monster of this 
empire, this particular cycle of empire, you know, empire-like. The intelligentsia and their ability to create cognitive dissonance amongst people. Yeah, because like you were saying before when we had the mics off, um, the, like, the suffering that's inflicted, that's imposed on a, a country's middle class, their population, which is the majority of its population. So it's like, it's it's the highest. The middle can, is there to support both the upper and the lower. If you can, if yes. you can sway the middle class to be in a certain state of mind where they're going to vote in a very specific way, just so you can pass your own the bills to create your own laws that you want from whatever agenda that's coming from, it's possible to do that. The problem is, I think there's just there is just that again that complacency gene that we have to kind of shake to make it through being able to be more self-empowered for ourselves because if we're able to kind of get in touch with what it is that actually has that herd that hive mind mentality but not be blind to it i think is the key because it's our we're our our sheer power is in our numbers i would almost put it as a capacity versus a complacency gene in the sense that certain people only have so much capacity, you know, and at mm-hmm. a certain time you overload their servers and they be, they get burnt out. To what extent they get burnt out, that's, you know, case, that's depend- case, dependent. case dependent. But, you know, some people just become cat ladies and start storing fucking cat shit in Ziploc <laughs> bags in their freezer. And some people we're tra- fucking we're trying to feed them fucking some people go on shooting sprees and there's everything in between, you know, like none of it is rational or sane at the end of the day. And once somebody's fucking bandwidth gets overloaded, they're fucking they're a toasted server, you know? Yeah. And then it's like a lot of it becomes, again, those those virtues of autonomy and creative selfhood but unfortunately they can still vote they can well they can they may have those things but it may not be to the degree that you know every everybody that, has a little bit of it yeah yeah i think it, it we have to use whatever creative force we have within ourselves to overcome those situations cuz like you said before it's almost like you have to consciously make a decision to have a good day. You, you either have to, right, you either have to overcome it or you have to galvanize yourself from it. You know, like, say you're not in the fucking space to be like, yeah, I'm going to fucking get over every fucking hurdle I see this morning. Say you're in the space of like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, if you allow yourself to dwindle in that and go down that road, that day could be a day that ends up in a pattern of days that just leads you down an eventual fucking shit road. Whereas if you right. notice you're having one of those days. Constantly complaining. I am I have a fucking problem with constantly complaining. I have to complain less. Complain in your head. Complain in your head. And if you're know your audience you know if if you if you're with somebody that you know feels the same way about you as the same circumstance feel free Mm. but otherwise 
yeah, all you're doing is dumping your baggage on somebody. And, you know, like, it, you know, think about when somebody complains to you about something that you have no real reference or relation to. And you want to have compassion for them and their plight. But at the end of the day, it's like, this doesn't sound that bad. You know, mm-hmm. like you're probably making a mountain out of a molehill. Right. Take that and then apply it to yourself and know, you know, allow yourself to like kind of gauge those times when you're like, all right, is this a big thing or am I just, you know, am I allowing it to yeah, get qu- overblown? You know? Yeah, exactly. I and agree. if it's a big thing. And you need help with it, seek out people that understand it topically. If you can't, then, you know, take time for yourself and give yourself space. I like that, topically. Because it's almost like you really do need to, like, still have some sense of skepticism. You can't let that shit penetrate too deep. Yeah, no, like, if if I need to talk about, you know, topic A, and all my friends are very familiar with topic B and C... And, you know, like, I only know a couple people that are familiar with topic A, and I might not be that close to them. Mm. Chances are, I would rather go to them versus B and C or nobody at all. You know? Sometimes fucking solitude and meditation are what you need. You know, if, if your problems are your problems... How can you expect anybody else to fucking figure them out for you? Exactly. You know, that's, exactly. that's when you need solitude. You yeah. need introspection. Right. You know, you need to just shut off the outside sources and go inward. And it's a practice. It's, it, you know, that it's, it's a practice. And that's why, you know, monks, spend 20, 30, 40 years just trying to get it right. And they don't even have fucking cell phones. So (laughs) imagine if they did. I think some do. Imagine if they did, enlightenment wouldn't be a thing. Yeah, I mean, it. well, it all comes down to what's right for you. So I, I do appreciate that perspective on, like, you can't just expect other people to predict your own future for you or um like just presume yeah there's no there's no one formula that you know fits everything right so i think that makes a lot of sense when it comes to the uh you know like those monastic cultures to be able to, you know, at least search for and approach enlightenment. They would not be able to do that if they had all the distractions of today's world that most people in at least the first world do. Yeah. They, you know, 
for one, the monasteries would be empty. The the few that would be there, <laughs> the few that would right. be, the few that would be there would be doing OnlyFans, and you know there there'd be like the one headmaster that was just like uh, be like Ace Ventura two, dude. But, which I love that movie, by the way. We but, didn't mention it on the previous segment on all the Jim monks Ca- when we talked about Jim Carrey. All the monks would be Jim Carrey, except for the head one, right? You know, if if they had the access to the internet right yeah, at their fingertips, yeah, absolutely, I could I could see that. I don't, yeah, I don't think that that's outrageous at all. <laughs> it paints a pretty interesting picture, but I think it's why there's such a trend of monks not having the internet because it's not at all it's like goes the opposite of what it represents for that monastic lifestyle yeah i mean they don't have it because it's not required you know like what's required uh you air ground water maybe some fire and some food. It's it's almost like it's more like Captain Planet than anything. I always wondered what it would be like you to know? go to a to to commit to a monastery and like go meditate. Be the easiest somewhere. fucking thing in the world. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like I think we say that now, if, but if you can get over your biological necessities other than eating, drinking, or pissing and shitting, all the other biological necessities. I guess that basically just narrows it down to fucking. But if you can get rid of say, if you yeah. can get rid of fucking, it'd be the easiest fucking thing in the world. Are you kidding me? It, uh, it, uh, it's it probably the only way to actually get rest on this planet anymore. <laughs> you know, it's definitely a nice. It's nice to know that there is that. There is that release valve as a possibility because at the end of the day what does enlightenment mean one with the universe and peace of mind yeah that sounds fucking exhausting no i'm just gonna work 40 hours a week for nothing like i think as as effortless as we can make the buddha way then the better off we'll be because all it is is buddha means um, the awakened one, like the person who is awake. And in, if you, in, if, going back to Hindu, if like, you apply the Taoist approach to the Buddhist way, right? That's basically what the hippies have been trying to do for the last sixty years. <laughs> I know that's what John Lennon set out to do <laughs> to a failing degree. Well, yeah, he should have picked somebody other than Yoko. That was his fuck up, and you know. She's she was basically uh she was to the Beatles what the iceberg was to the Titanic. Mm. Mm. Are you saying we should learn from others' mistakes? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Got Can that. you imagine if we actually did learn from our ancestors and all of history as it truly if we were allowed, if we were allowed to, you know, mm. I'm I'm of the belief that most history is obscured, at least in one sense, if not most. 
senses. Yeah. I appreciate looking back at our monetary history. That's the kind of history that always resonated with me when it came to, like, where did all this shit come from? Like, where did modern civilization amount from? And it got me thinking, well, it stands to reason that the whole cost of living thing is a total arbitrary board game and made me wonder that, well, maybe this goes a little deeper than just modern society. Like what, where did, where did all this stuff amount from? Um, and just go from there. At the end of the day, you can approach life, you know, in a couple different ways, but the way we live now, at least in the era that we live now, we're still allowed to do it one of these ways. Basically, you can have land, and you can guess and check, figure your shit out until you become sustainable, or you starve to death. Or you can buy into the debt slavery system that we have set up. And there's a lot of people doing that that, you know, have a small garden in their backyard and, you know, they're patting themselves on the back saying, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. When they have no idea that they're just a cog in it all. Yeah. A means to... Or maybe they do have the idea and they're just in severe denial. Or, yeah, I mean, well, I think that the the metaphor that you just outlined stands to, you know, there's a lot of truth in that because you can't just phone this in. This is going to take so much effort on each of our individual parts. Exactly. It's, it's not something that any of one this. of our representatives is going to do for us. Even if all of them came together. Or the robots, or your iOS, or your Android, or whatever yeah. it is. No, this is, this is a... This is beyond anything we'll ever experience. Individual sovereign decisions to become your own king or queen. Unless you're binary, and then whatever you call... Or non-binary, and then whatever you call royalty at that point. Yeah, become that. Whatever. I'll accept it. <laughs> yeah. Good call. That yeah, no, the again, it's the choice is yours. That that's that's what it all comes back the to. The choice is be a slave or be royalty. It goes back to what you were saying with not just uh putting up a good like sense of like new blinders to choose from, like new glasses Sensors. to see the world through. And experience joy, compassion, appreciation. These types of things keep us going. So the point is not to just have a good offense, but to also have a good defense, like you said, to galvanize us from it. I and, believe. And just and, and and then from there, recognize that. Wait a minute. We can actually we can actually do this. Like this is like that side of ourselves. I think that why we want to go into a monastery to begin with is because we want to try and reprogram our DNA. 
or at least our our you know outlooks, our mind frames, our mindsets. You know, which to me at this point in my life, I'm starting to recognize I don't know the difference. And that's really all I was talking about earlier when I said, you know, you wake up in the morning and whether you choose to put on a certain set of glasses or not, you know, like if if you wake up with a pair of shit colored glasses, if you can at least acknowledge that, you know, and acknowledge that's why you're feeling the way you're feeling, that's why you're seeing the what things that you're seeing that are focusing on the things you're focusing mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. you know. Like, you've got a pair of shit-colored glasses on. It's like, just acknowledge that and know that, okay, this is, it's not going to be forever. I don't have to base my future off this. You know, tomorrow's another day. Shit. Take a nap and wake up again. Sometimes that's like having two days in one, you know. You wake up shitty one time. I know. Isn't you, that funny how you that wake works? up great the next? <laughs> and it could be vice versa too. You know, like if yeah. you wake up great the first time, maybe don't take a nap. Again, whatever is right for you in the moment, right? But at the end it's of the about day, about being honest with ourselves, right? Acknowledge and be truthful with yourself. What you're doing, what you're seeing, what you're experiencing, and use it your capabilities and advantage as much as you not advantage to the sense that you're being a sociopath use it to everybody's advantage and if which ultimately is your own right exactly that's what we're getting at love thy neighbor and you love thyself and if you can't do that then just wait to enact anything you know if you're in a shitty mood don't make decisions that will affect the rest of your life totally i could not agree more to that yeah like drinking too heavily leaving the bar being angry choosing to yeah obstinate being you know drive home or whatever right divisive whatever you know like right you wake up you wake up on the wrong side of the fucking shit pile one morning and you're like well this is how things are gonna be today and and then you you make that decision that that's how things are going to be today. And then 10 minutes later, you're reminded that, oh, you have three big decisions to make today that are going to affect your future. Right. And you make them under that, you know. Pretense. Energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, I agree. You're going to fuck yourself. You're going to fuck yourself over. I think, yeah. And that's been one of, it's funny you point that out because I feel like that might be my problem is like not checking back in with myself before I'm going to fuck things up because it's not me doing it. It's almost like it's some weird little fucking, I don't know, little green man in there just like gremlins with fucking. Yeah, gremlins are real, man. I, I mean, we are our best. We are our best meat thermometers. You know, at the end of the day, nobody knows you like you, and nobody can fuck you like you. So, yeah, that's nobody can help you like you either. At the end of the day, yeah, I've been thinking. I guess now's maybe a good time. Let's see, we have like. Another ten ish minutes to go, if you like. Yeah. 
And I'm thinking, I should probably let you know that I've decided to apply for a director position. And I'm dead serious for whatever reason. On Beetlejuice 2? Who fucking, who would volunteer for this job? No, like within my organization. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm fucking with people. No, you're good. I actually almost... A directorship, kind of a, director a directorship position, though. Yeah, like a, of an entire department. So, I don't take decisions like this lightly. And now it's like I'm starting to recognize this weird gravitational pull within myself to go in that direction. It's almost like an awakening of... Like, you got to grow the fuck up. Well, ask yourself, like, what is drawing you to it, to want to do it? And what are the cost-benefit analysis? Right, right. Because I don't know. I've I've gone over those, for sure. And I don't know. It's We're living in such an interesting time where I can have more than one career. Simple as that. No, within one have, agency. Though. No, 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 no. Of course, not technically speaking, and not feasibly or I'm sustainably. Speaking, yeah. I'm speaking very generally totally. in the sense that I you're enjoy. Doing this, you're doing this. You're doing what you have in your backyard. You're doing what you have in your basement. You're working your full time job. You already have multiple careers, man. You're a man of many hats. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yes. that's like part of my. I have to keep all those aspects of my life, those cogs moving because it serves a, such a greater purpose and I can't put my finger on it. This is the weird thing that's sort of compelling me to become a director. Well, yeah. And, and different people are different in that sense, you know, and you're one of those high capacity. That's weird. It's weird. You know, like fucking weird. You, you, you want to have multiple irons, multiple pokers in the fire at once. And you can't help it, you know, like, and you're good at it, too. You know, that's the other thing. It'd be one thing if, like, you were fucking up every one of these, but you're not. So, I like, appreciate the what's, compliment. what's to discourage you from doing it other than what you decide is your own personal capacity and what isn't? It's know? one of those things, like, again, it's like you're bec- going from a boy and you're going to become an adult kind of thing. Like, I'm, I admire people like Child's you. play. Now here's the big leagues. Here's, yeah. Here's where we're going to put you. And it's like, I admire people like you because I can't do it. Like, I can't fucking juggle like that. I don't have the energy. I, I can do one or two things pretty good. But aside from that, I need me time, you know, like. Totally. And it's not even me time. I just, I fucking need quiet, you know, like. Yeah. And even, you know, I feel bad when I say this to Tara. I'm just like, Tara, I love you, but just, shh, 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 shh. please, just, please, just uh, shut the fuck up right, right now. Right, right. You know, like, I don't mean, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean, but just shut the fuck up. Like, right. have you ever listened to silence? No. Yeah. Sh- shut the fuck up. You know, like, there is such beauty in the silence. So I, I listen to things all the time. 
right? I'm always either having on incoming data while I'm, while I'm driving, while I'm getting ready for work, while I'm in the shower, usually, typically. In fact, the shower, this is where I'm coming upon, where I'm getting at is every so often, I'll do whatever I'm doing, and it often includes whether I'm showering or working in the backyard without me. I've been more inclined to not have incoming stimuli. I've been trying to work with that too. Not necessarily on purpose, but I've been trying to get better at it. But go on, sorry. Mm. That's it. I mean, I feel like I know exactly what you mean when you say that you need peace and quiet. Because that's that's a form of filling our bucket by whatever means is right for you in that moment. How many people go throughout their entire fucking day never having one thought that both came and went from their brain without outer stimuli. Mm. Not too many. No. No. Fuck, no. And I think that's that's the key, though. Like you say, I mean, it's the space between the space those spaces. Like, that's what we're that's what we're working with, and that's where that's the only space where original thoughts exist anymore. Right. 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 Yeah, I agree. That's all part of so the diagram, the opening diagram to my book was a tribute to that because it captures the empty part of ourselves that can come into this next stage of evolution with an open mind, with an open soul and open, like just generalized openness, but not at the same time, not necessarily to like, manipulation because that could be the case but it's more of an openness to the question of how do i know what i know and leading to how do i now i know what i don't know so for example questioning an entire base of how i've voted in my life how i've like thought of certain things in my life how i've justified certain uh aggressions or uh, resentments or whatever that is, whatever that negative vibe is that's like weighing us down. It makes us vulnerable to having really poor reception perception. So it's basically equivalent to, you know, as you speak of if incoming data is coming in and it's telling you to be sad or be like, be scared and be vigilant. What can make for worse perception? Than convincing everybody that it's for their best interest that they all vote for somebody to lead them. Right. Yeah, it always scares me whenever I drive by. There's this church in between where I live and on the main drag heading into work or from work. And it says, it's a church, and it's like, it says, where the sheep come to be fed. I know where you And it's yeah. like, what the fuck, dude? Like, that is like the biggest fucking slap in the face if I've ever seen one when it comes to all of what you're talking about as far as like the mi- the mental, like, just uh, fucking leech that's overrun by whether it's like Catholicism or the New World Order or whatever it is. It's it's another example 
of people feeling so helpless and so like they're willing to turn to some savior to save them, looking outside of themselves to fix whatever's inside. That vibe, that feed, like it's almost like we have vultures that still <sighs> prey on those who have energy to give away. And, you know, like on this, yeah, like I... I have a I have sympathy for the people that get raised in this that never get taught how to, you know, think outside of that box and question it and think for themselves. But then there's people our age, you know, like mm. between thirty and forty, that all of a sudden one day wake up and they're like, "Yeah, I'm a full fledged Bible pounder now." And and it's like how what does it like I know what you mean. Like the born again Christian. And it's like there's people that go through so much trauma that still never reach that conclusion. And then there's just people that, you know, just have so much desperation and no answers for it. Mm-hmm. That that's the only one that they can come up with, mm-hmm. you know, because it's it is somewhat of an escape valve. Because it's like once oh, you yeah. once no, you pull like, that valve, well, or it's like a, know, like my hands are off. What's it? that uh, valve that my bro- my brother's always talking about? The plumber. This is like the oh fuck, dude, my fucking brain. Yeah. God damn it! It's not the release valve because that's easy. It's the safety, che- it's the, oh, safety relief. Valve. It's the check valve. It's the check valve off of the boiler. That's mm-hmm. what he's always yeah. telling me. Sorry, sorry, folks. We're going over some key terms in your plumbing. Always know your plumbing. Know how your plumbing and works. And your spiritual plumbing at that, especially. Oh, amen to that, brother. If you shit your spiritual pants, <laughs> you know what the cost for that laundry is? It's more than 25 cents per minute. It's more than the washer, I'm sure. God knows. I've had bad experiences not personally with that sort of thing but with uh my line of work and what oh, i've geez. come across and oh, yeah. shit like that where you're having to talk to landlords and try and convince them to still play ball with you and you're the entity you represent yeah you have that's yeah, always you, fun you have to do it on like a case basis like, <sighs> i i had a i had a client that was like that, but I had to do it on like a day to day basis. Like, right, trying to get a 6'3 autistic guy who's angry that he's already shooting himself out of his fucking Carhartt shit suit while squeezing him into a uh, porta potty. That's a it's it's its, its own sort of rodeo. That's definitely a rodeo <laughs> if I ever seen one. I've had similar experiences to that, but never to that degree based on what I know regarding the size of the person you speak of and that, that was, I believe you're speaking of. That was every day for a whole year. Which is, dude, that's mind boggling to because me. Like that, that you have, were part of like that support system. Like, well, we, we, it got to the point where we had to use it as its own weapon against. So his mother had basically had carte blanche over what drugs he was being given. 
because she'd go into the neurologist once every other month, and the neurologist would be like, so how's it going? And she'd be like, ah, things aren't going well. And he'd be like, well, what do you want to try this month? And just open up the fucking book for her. For drugs. Mm-hmm. And so every other month, we were getting, you know, a new batch of side effects. And some side effects pass. They come and go. Some, if you're on the medication long enough, stay forever. And, yeah, like, he was on one med. We don't know which one it was, but he didn't need to be on it, for one. But he was. And he was on it long enough. He was literally shitting himself for, you know, sometimes a couple times a day for about 10 months until, you know, we got to get a med review. And the only way that we could fight it, you know, because we're supposed to be getting him out of the community and it's dead of winter. He's in a fucking full Carhartt suit shitting himself. And we're supposed to be getting him out in the community. It's like, no, fuck you. It's like, you change what's going on because clearly it's in your power, you Munchausen bitch. Or, you know, he's not getting into the fucking community. And basically, you know, we we get an hour or two hours away, he'd shit himself. Be like, sorry, we're going home. And right. And, you know, he would try and give us heads up, like, you know, like, but. Yeah, by whatever communication. Highly autistic, nonverbal, you know, like. Yeah. By the time he's telling you, it's already 15 seconds too late, at least. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like. Sounds like a really rough, rough time, man. Jeez. It got to the point where. It got to the point where we literally told her, like, one of these meds that you're giving him is. And we looked all the meds up, and, like, three of them had diarrhea as a side effect. And we're like, you got to figure this out. Uh Until you do, we're coming to your house, and we're staying at your house. Because that's where the closest fucking toilet is. Right. That's too bad about that. that. How that goes down as far as, like, the guardianship piece. Because I see a lot of that. Munchausen? Well, just... She was straight up Munchausen. I don't know. I don't want to make claims necessarily. I will. She was. Well, yeah, I'm sure she was, if you say it. But basically, just there's a whole... Man, it's a whole breed of of parents that go so... They get so intense. And it's almost like you get the Nobody knows my baby like me. It's like... There's, well, it's just, it's endless justification for feeling whatever it is that they're feeling, whether it's guilt or whatever. It's a deep, deeply personal, uh, traumatizing thing for a mother. I've seen it. Like, it's, it's so brutal. And it's like getting them to play as team players just to listen to reason is damn near impossible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, it's, it's, I say impossible. Obviously, anything's possible. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just keeping that in mind, but the point is, um, whether it's all of like the, uh, 
intensely difficult days where we feel like we can't um, go on any longer. There is still some uh, part of ourselves that recognizes our ability to shift gears, make a new choice, or look at it more objectively and move on and go from there. The Jews wandered through the desert for 40 years. You can go on a day longer. Well, that's good Props, Jews. They, they've gotten through a lot. They've been through the ringer, for sure. Lots of um, cultures and ethnicities have gone through the ringer. In fact, I'm. I oh, feel, no. I, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like whoever my ancestors were went through, sure, their own set of trauma that's still trying to heal itself through me in some respect. I feel that, like, energy. I feel like mine had it pretty cushy, you know. It probably uh, owned some golf courses, maybe some airports and stuff, and you know, I, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> Having a living it up, man, just living it That's up. That's how I like to think of it. You know, back in like eighteen forty, when my grandfather was around, he probably had a golf course. Or an airport. Yeah, nothing wrong with having a golf course or an airport. I think whatever it is, it got you to that position. Hopefully, you didn't have to sell some slaves or love you, big dick grandpa. I have no idea. What am I saying? Yeah, your grandpa had slaves. Is that what you said? No, (laughs) no. (laughs) I I don't think so. (laughs) I. All right, we're dissolving. We should probably wrap it up here. Yeah. All right. Well. Big, big thanks to you all. Mucho freaking appreciado. Hope we helped with anything and at the very least hope we made you laugh a little. Yeah, because I do think that laughter is the best medicine, ultimately. Because when it comes down to creating joy and feeling more open-minded, finding where those empty spaces are that we can still work with our uh, circumstance and respond effectively and with whatever attitude we want. What Again, whatever attitude Until we want. Until the UN and NATO legalizes it, laughter is good for you. Thank it you. might be a WHO thing. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Thank you. But that, I think... The next global lockdown. What other evidence do we need other than anecdotal anyway, folks? Ladies and gentlemen, you have your own sense of humor. Find it. Use it. Be proud of it. Be happy for it. Let it, let it help you grow and let it help others. And just because you don't get it doesn't mean it's wrong. It might just mean it's not funny to you. Yeah. And, uh, exactly. We should all keep that in mind. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's try and laugh together, even if it's not at the same joke, because that is going to make us a better species at the end. I find that laughing at myself sometimes helps, too. If you can't laugh at yourself, you need to do some work. Like Onward. You, onward. you should Thank be the you. funniest thing to you. <laughs> yes. Yes, sir. I love right. you, folks. I love, love you, you folks. man. I'm going to leave you guys with this last uh, little bite that we got for you. Um, again, kudos to the great Lawrence from 
office space. Oh, Cheers, yeah. folks. Uh, what would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Peace out, folks.